The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. BWB, this is One Nation Radio. You better get it right. Rich Ladder James Boyd came to give him life. The Blackest Wrestling Podcast has come to kick all ass and drop it six feet if they're kicking trash. Word, let me welcome y'all to something different. And if you dig it, man, you should let some friends listen. We be getting it in. This on the regular, dude. Ravish and flow, but this shit rule. See, James don't rap, so I had to break it down. The whole network, man, we coming for the crown. Raps in the columns, I keep them both covered Making the beats too, so the listeners can bump it Hit us with the rating, yeah, I'm saying it's a five Before you hit a talk, bob your head side to side It's One Nation Radio, and this is the beginning It's Rich, and I'm here with James It's time to listen to One Nation The power of the this is Mike Sempervivi from WrestlingObserver.com. Check me out on Wrestling Observer Live every day. And also check out your boys, Rich and James, on One Nation Radio. Uh, this is Kenny Omega. We're listening to One Nation Radio. Check it out, guys. These guys know what's up. Big Kenny Omega fans. That's all it counts to me. Goodbye and good night. Hey. Welcome to the May 6th edition of one nation live this is rich i am live in the wrestling square circle right now and we and I, it is what 11 55 p.m i am recording this directly after backlash and watching the post show this show was a disaster um it wasn't as bad as battleground but it wasn't uh much better uh, and that was battleground last year that had the punjabi prison match but this show just as a pay-per-view as a staff a record label and a crew it can just go all the way to hell um they mess up so many things they decided to have you know an excellent opener like for my money the wwe match of the year on pay-per-view thus far and then the rest of the show proceeded to fall off a cliff so far so fast it didn't make any sense at all um i i thought this show was a disaster whoever booked this if it was you know well we know who booked this it was vincent man this is a, a a um I don't know what the fuck that means. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so we're live in the group right now. We got James Clown in the comments. We had all these folks out here leaving during the main event. We had um, Carmella stinking to join out. We had Nia Jax and Alexa Bliss out here. The referees were uh, reinventing rules on the fly. Um, yeah, so let's just go down. We're going to run it from the top. Um we had Bailey and uh, Ruby Riot in the pre-show. That was actually like kind of decent. Um, that might hell. That might be like the third best match of the night overall. Opener was Seth Rollins versus The Miz for the Intercontinental Championship, and this was an incredible match. Um, so I want James. I know he's not on the um, show with me uh, at this moment, but he is watching on this video. I need you to bow down, bro. Because the Miz came out here and uh, and topped what you know uh, Rollins and Balor did last week. Uh, I rated that one four and a half. A lot of people going you know online doing that same deal. Yes, people were walking out during the main event. There are pictures. If you go on my Twitter, I retweeted them. Mass empty set. Uh, excuse me. Mass empty sections and everything else. It was just dreadful, bro. Um, so tweet from Brian Alvarez as far as the uh, made event. 
Brian Alvarez said, never seen anything like what I just saw. Roman won, and they tried to cut to a crowd shot, and the shot was everyone standing up and leaving. Um, yeah, so it, it was, you know, so the question was, was it worse than Castle and Skrull? So I, I couldn't tell, uh, but the um, arena pictures definitely make it look like it, it was. So um, I'd have to do some more research on the um, reporting for the live uh, pieces. But, yeah, as I was saying before, Seth Rollins and The Miz uh, tore the house down. Uh, no, he wasn't wasn't just usual heel cheating. Uh, this was them going back and forth, lots of drama, lots of near falls. Uh, Seth Rollins continuing his uh, hot streak on whether it's TV, pay-per-view. For my money, he's the WWE Wrestler of the Year in the ring. Um, the Miz was right there step for step with him. And, you know, I came on the show last week and said I didn't expect the Miz and uh, Rollins to top what they did on Monday Night Raw. But I didn't think they were going to lay down either. They ended up actually exceeding what uh, Balor and Rollins did. So shouts out to them for doing that and making the Intercontinental title look great in the process. Um, but as far as, you know, the good things on that show, that's pretty much it. <laughs> um, we had a lot of stuff going on and stuff we just can't like keep having happen and how this you know this is what happens when we have a company that you have and they don't have to adhere to anything because it doesn't affect them financially this is exactly the situation that we get i remember when the wwe network first started um i was like wow this is essentially like their license to to do bullshit forever because they don't, you know, have to worry about necessarily pay-per-view buys. Everything's already sold. So, man, this is really, this is a really bad show. And if you hear the disappointment in my voice right now, if, if you just watch what I watch, you would um, share the same uh, deal. So what's up to uh, Kyle? Looks like he's tuned in and Dellen. Um, Duncan says the Miz has been the, one of the best for a while. I agree. I've been saying that for about a year now, um, on this show and other shows, Miz, you know, and it looks like, you know, he's going over to SmackDown and he made the announcement that he's going to have a money in the bank qualifying match. So the Miz is probably a favorite to win the money in the bank ladder match. I kind of think Miz is above that, but you know, they, Want it, want it to be a gimmick for him. So uh, we've seen him do it before, but I think he's right on the doorstep of, you know, winning the WWE title again. Um, Nia Jax and Alexa Bliss for the Raw Women's title. Oh, my Lord. Um, <laughs> so this was a... I forgot what I rated this. I think I gave this a two, if I'm not mistaken, flat. So what they were doing was they had Alexa bliss doing all this unbelievable kind of offense to Nia Jax kind of catching her out of position in, you know, a couple portions, but there was one thing in this match that just completely threw it off and ruined it for me. So when Alexa gave her a DDT on the outside of the ring, uh, on the stairs, Nia Jax was laid out and the referee was doing the counts, you know, one, two, three, four. So, the deal, what happened is Alexa rolled in the, in the ring. You're supposed to continue the count, you know, on the other person. So she get the count on win. All of a sudden, the referee stops and like restarts the count from one again. And it literally gone like they, they literally invented rules on the fly. And it just it, it, it did some, you know, 
I don't know what the hell that they did. So, um, <clears throat> you know, we had the, you know, Nia went for the, um, uh, where was it? The finish, it was basically Alexa going for the Twisted Bliss and Jax caught her in midair and gave her the Samoan drop for the pin. Um, after that, Nia Jax cut this head-ass promo uh, that was some after-school special bullying type deal, and it became suddenly clear this entire storyline was designed to push the be a star agenda, and this is when it happened. And I've been sitting here saying, "Man, they got to be careful with Nia Jax and Alexa Bliss because I feel like the crowd's waiting to turn on Nia at any moment." So the key thing with that, I thought though, was they would have Nia Jax utterly destroy her, and you know, folks would come with the backlash on her. Nope, they didn't do do it that way. They just had uh, Nia Jax be a standard WWE babyface, and folks came out and booed her um, a little bit. You know, when she was cutting that promo, um, I don't. You know, it was like a, it was like kind of light, but I feel like that's the kind of stuff that people are going to go back and watch and then attach themselves to, and that's only going to get bigger. And she's done very well as a babyface thus far. You know, starting with Alexa Bliss, your first defense is it's only you know so much that you can do um in that situation so i'm waiting to see nia Jax get in there with some better wrestlers and it was just that promo was so inorganic it was every wwe buzzword that was like if, if there was like a, a what's that a word map like when you see like the words that are just written like most search terms like if we pulled that up for wwe and their bullying propaganda and all that you know Nia Jax said every one of those and it felt so fake, so inorganic. And then Michael Cole just like went off on, you know, all the anti-bullying stuff. It was just terrible. Um, it was completely contrived and it was just, yo, get this shit out of the ring. This looks terrible. Meanwhile, Sasha Banks is not booked out here. Meanwhile, Bailey's stuck on the pre-show. Meanwhile, Mickey James can't sniff a match. Meanwhile, Ember Moon was called up uh, from NXT and is not sniffing pay-per-view. Meanwhile, Ronda Rousey is managing uh, Natalia while she's not like really she they have Rousey looking like a secondary player, which she's not. Meanwhile, Natalia's not on pay-per-view. <sighs> this is bad and it only got worse with uh carmella which we'll get to later but um jeff hardy and randy orton for the united states title these guys are old and i feel like they showed it um and you know the thing is with age and wrestling is always tricky you know because these guys are the same exact age as you know aj styles and shinsuke nakamura but the fact that we've been so exposed to Randy Orton and Jeff Hardy for all these years. Literally since I was a child, I've been watching uh, Jeff Hardy, you know, jump off of shit. He's not the same guy. Well, he kind of is because he's still wearing those Jinko jeans and shit. But <laughs> um, he's basically a shell of himself. Randy Orton's wrestling slower than ever. You know, I don't know what, who designed this match, laid it out, but what they did was just something that just didn't get over i called it a professional professional wrestling match jeff hardy went over clean was kind of shocked at that and you know it wasn't a great match so orton basically it is just getting beat out here so i don't know what they're doing with orton maybe they're gonna turn him but he definitely was in the heel role um you know throughout the night and 
we just saw Jeff Hardy versus Randy Orton, and it was like a nothing match essentially. So I, I don't know. That's that's really weird. But um, after that, we had the 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 barrage. Yes, yes, Kyle. Uh, Jeff is definitely showing the wear and tear. Um, let's go to a couple comments we had. Uh, so Duncan says. He hopes that Miz wins the money in the bank and he needs a title reign. James says, pray to God, Miz wins money in the bank instead of some green clown, a la Baron Corbin last year. Um, Duncan says, knowing WWE, Big Cass will win. Uh, James says, exactly, Cass equals a green clown. Uh, <laughs> Duncan says, Vince, but he's seven feet tall and you can't teach that. And they were chanting for Enzo during his after his after or during his match. Excuse me. We will get to that in a moment. Um, Kyle said, yes, Jeff Hardy's seriously showing the wear and tear. Jeff Hardy's, uh, James says, Jeff Hardy is still trying to take over for the 9-9 and the 2000. Um, <laughs> Duncan says, after the movie shoot, looks like Randy has put on weight. Randy Orton has had this thing where he gets in these modes where he's working out really hard and gets in crazy shape, but then he has times where he kind of, kind of just like lets it go. So maybe this is one of those times, but, um, Jeff Hardy is, you know, ready, you know, to change the game with, with Jay-Z. He's out here, um, you know, watching Shaq and Kobe win the belt, uh, win a, the NBA title for the first time. Um, he's basically, you know, seeing Serena win Wimbledon. Uh, he is out here in t- in the year 2000, just you know, checking computers for the Y2K bug with them with them pants on. He's just, you know, a relic of that time. And I don't know. I like Jeff Hardy, but something's not hidden for me. And I think everybody's going to start, you know, coming for him soon. So I'm putting that out there. Don't be surprised if uh, if Jeff Hardy basically, you know, he's always going to be pushed to a certain extent because Vince McMahon loves the guy, but it's just not going to connect if he keeps either getting these like slow, like, you know, uh, plotting guys to wrestle like Jinder Mahal and um, Randy Orton, who are like, I don't want to say this because this I know it'll sound absurd, but Jinder Mahal is like a super, super duper, extremely poor man's version of the style that Randy Orton wrestles. So the way, you know, Orton wrestles, Jinder Mahal is like the absolute worst version of it. So those are the two guys that he's you know, Jeff's had to essentially wrestle. Maybe we can get Andrade San Almas. We can see something pull, um, you know, get pulled out of there. Yes, James, uh, Ichiro's rookie of the year MVP. Um, any other thing you want to find from the year 2000, year 2001, um, you know, Limp Biscuit was hot in these streets when Jeff Hardy was out here with these Jinko jeans. And, you know, it's just, it's just crazy. But we had a clusterfuck of all clusterfucks. So I was talking to, I forgot who I was talking to, but, um, it was like, yeah, man, is this show going to be three hours or is it going to be four? I was praying to God that it was three hours. And then this happened. And I knew I was like, this is it. This is exactly why they cannot come out here and have shows at standard lengths because they go and do all types of ridiculous fuck shit, like just to fill time on pay-per-views. Like people didn't like come to see this. None of these dudes were booked. Um, but yeah, let's get to that. So Elias was out first and this like whole segment was kind of like designed around him. Um, this is another example that I've been talking about with Elias being seen as a star, 
but WWE refuses to capitalize on it with any feuds or matches. So I don't know if they don't trust him. I don't know if they really don't believe he's a star or they just have him, you know, go out for these segments on pay-per-view and get destroyed. They did it to him at WrestleMania. They did it to him here. So I'll just go through it. I'm written down. Elias came out and, you know, they, he, he got, you know, cheered and all that. And he said he was friends with Bruce Springsteen. Um, he said that Bruce Springsteen calls him the boss. And the only thing that Springsteen regrets is that he's from New Jersey. So they were in New Jersey. Um, there, there wasn't a lot of heat for that. Uh, he acted like he was going to leave. Then he didn't. And, you know, start wanted to start again. Now, all of a sudden, a new day came out. Biggie has his fucking huge bass drum uh, strapped to his chest. Woods has a trombone, and then Kofi has like these these symbols. And you know they said they wanted to walk with Elias, and they're doing their New Day thing. And Elias was like, "Nah." But the deal with it was by this time, this was like five to seven minutes already of them just like going through the motions, doing this shit. So that after the, you know, matches started, it's like, yeah, we're going to grind this show to a complete halt. After that, Aiden English came out and, you know, he was out there with those glasses on glasses actually were kind of, kind of fly. I won't front, but he basically, um, you know, brought Rusev out and he did like a little rap and all that. And then it's like, wow, this is just a clusterfuck from there. (laughs) Um, you know, Rusev said, I forgot what he said, something. He called uh, the New Day the Booty Boys, and then he basically said Elias was the fake Bob Dylan, or bootleg Bob Dylan, excuse me. Then uh, JoJo basically introduced Elias again, and they, they shut the lights out again like it was all going to start again. Then No Way Jose in the conga line came out. Titus O'Neil was in the conga line. Apollo Crews in the, in the uh, conga line. Tyler Breeze. Uh, Dana Brooke, Bo Dallas, Fandango, then all of a sudden Bobby Roo was out there and he dropped Elias with the DDT and this was just like so long and we were all just kind of watching this like what the fuck is happening here? There's like 50, yes, no, well, no, Rusev didn't rap, but he basically got on the mic and, w- and was just talking, you know, some some trash, but um, Aiden English did like a little kind of rap thing, but um, after that, <laughs> um, I, I, I can't put into words like how kind of like weird that segment was and how long it lasted. It was way too long. And when I looked at how long this show was, it looked like it ended up being a three and a half hour show. And that's exactly why between, you know, Elias first coming out and the conga line going, it had to be at least 20 to 25 minutes. You know, what do we get after that? We get a video package for Dan Bryan's return. Um, they go through the whole thing and then they show Cass whooping his ass in the video package and all this, this, uh, stuff about big Cass pretty much dominating the entire feud um, in a pretty one-sided fashion. So that was like my kind of hope that, okay, Daniel Bryan's going to win. So I picked Daniel Bryan to win, uh, even though I thought Big Cass, you know, they were going to do something dumb, like have him get squashed. But what I think they did was like a primitive version of that Bret Hart and Diesel match. Where, <laughs> But instead of like a roll-up victory, Daniel Bryan just tapped this man out clean, just whooped his ass, and Daniel Bryan was carrying this man every single step of the way. Big Cass is not ready. He's he's like still looks like he's clearly still feeling the effects of like coming back and being mobile from that ACL injury. But he 
got beat like a loser. He, like, Daniel Bryan put him in the, uh, you know, gave him all the kicks and put him in the yes lock and then tapped him. And the whole thing, when he was basically tapping, Daniel Bryan was having to remove, like, maneuver uh, Big Cass's hands to actually try to counter the hold. And then, like, there's a spot that you'll see if you watch it back. It's like Daniel Bryan's carrying this every second of the way. So, Daniel Bryan gets the clean submission in probably just over, like, six or seven minutes, if I had to guess. Uh, let me see if I can get the match time for you. Uh, but he basically tapped the dude out like a jabron. Um, after that, uh, Big Cass jumps on him, and they do this whole thing where Big Cass has to get his heat back, and Daniel Bryan just can't be victorious, but whatever. At least they didn't pin him. Uh, yeah, it was just over seven minutes and 45 seconds. Um, after that, um, Carmella defeated Charlotte, and this match here is when I realized this show is going off, like, off the tracks completely. If I hear that Carmella video package one more fucking time, I'm going to throw something against the wall. It's just so much, like, so much. Like, I'm tired of seeing this shit. Maybe that's, a you know, a good kind of um, good thing because, you know, people are tired of this shit already. But the thing is, <laughs> earlier tonight, we ejected Alexa Bliss from the, you know, the, the the women's championship matches and the, you know, everything she brings. Like, but in her place, we got Carmella. And this shit here, if this is any um, indication, this is going to be a long, painful uh, series of matches. Uh, the first immediate thing that Carmella does, you know, as the Raw Women's Champion, mind you, she hasn't wrestled on pay-per-view in, in, since like December 2016 or something like that, right? And she's barely getting to wrestle like house show matches. The first thing she di did was uh, Charlotte comes out the box with a big boot. Carmella falls down before the boot connects and <laughs> like like Cena at WrestleMania, like as the first like move. And it's like, wow, this is awful. And I was just thinking, damn, Sasha Banks has to be furious watching this match. Uh, damn, Becky Lynch must be furious watching this match. Damn, Asuka must be furious watching this match as, you know, all these folks that are actually good are getting left off these shows. So from there... Carmella and Charlotte just have a just a dreadful match. Absolutely awful. Um, every step of the way, whether it's technical stuff or, you know, just timing issues, it was just bad all the way. And they got about 10 minutes of this. So it was just going on and on and on. And I was thinking, Charlotte does not deserve this. They ended Oscar's streak uh, or had her end Oscar's streak. Probably, you know, best or second best match of WrestleMania. She got the biggest entrance of WrestleMania, best entrance of WrestleMania. Next show, she gets cashed on, cashed in on by, you know, two debuting uh, folks that have turned out to be geeks who weren't on the show. Then she loses her title to Carmella. Not in her class at all. Then basically the finish comes. So Charlotte is <clears throat> on the top rope, hits a moonsault. Looks like she kind of tweaks her knee. Carmella literally kicks her in the leg and then rolls up on top of her for the one, two, three. And you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of Enzo Amore pinning Neville. Like, it was like the same exact kind of feeling. I was like, really? This is what they're doing? I don't know, man. I 
this this Carmelo shit is gonna be painful. Um, so we, we got a couple comments. Uh, <laughs> Dungan says Enzo really did make big big cast in Carmelo. I mean, he got he did the stuff to you know get the crowd cheering during the entrance. But I think that was a group that we're gonna look back on like yo, they were all much better together. They all have massive flaws, and WWE just loves to break people up for whatever reason, and it probably shouldn't have ever like they shouldn't have ever been broken up because I don't know if Carmelo needs to be wrestling. Um, I knew knew that Enzo didn't need to be wrestling, and then of course you know they want to push Big Cass at some point, whatever, and he's actually doing a good job of getting people to boo him. But as far as the wrestling goes, he's not ready. He's like gender level like he's a a, a square one and you know he has not only like the limited ability to deal with he has like the mobility issues with the acl um duncan says she's a female enzo who's not funny yeah um (laughs) i I can only hear i beat charlotte flair so many times before it's just grace on you but maybe that's you know what they're going for and it's definitely working so aj styles and shinsuke nakamura I don't know if there could be a more frustrating feud in WWE. Yes, beyond Roman and Brock, we have the idea of AJ Styles versus Shinsuke Nakamura. They could have had two classics at least already, right? And it looks like they were on their way to one uh, right you know, during this match. Uh, I thought before the finish, they were around like the four-star level. Uh, they were getting the crowd into it. They were doing exchanging low blows. They were exchanging big moves. They were exchanging chair shots. AJ Styles' cheek was sliced open, and they were doing all this stuff. And all of a sudden, these motherfuckers do a Rocky Two ending. But, of course, they both stay down. So in the no disqualification match, these guys are both counted out. Um, and <laughs> Nakamura doesn't win the title. Um, AJ Styles is stuck with it. And all WWE is doing is making people like not want to see these guys wrestle anymore. They've done three matches in 29 days. And you're telling me we're, we got to wait three matches to get around all the booking they want to do for this shit to get to whatever's on the other side. That's probably going to be some crazy kind of like stipulation match that takes away from these guys just being two of the best wrestlers that, you know, that we have on the planet that can just go out there. If you give them a clean finish, say, Hey, get us there without the agenda of a heel turn lurking on the other side. They have completely fucked this feud at every step. WrestleMania, they have the turn down, like with the volume down match, like, you know, where they don't do a whole lot. So the heel turn can go over a little bit better at the end. So what does Nakamura do after that? All right. I get over as a heel. I become ridiculously hot on SmackDown. And yes, they did not fucking main event. And, you know, maybe it was for the best because if they did this in the main event, it would have just, you know, gone over even worse. But what they did was they had AJ Styles um, get punched in the nuts all these weeks in a row. Nakamura changes his theme music. He gets a catchphrase. He does all this stuff to get over. They go to Saudi Arabia and they have a fucking count out. <laughs> then tonight they go out there and they are beating the shit out of each other. This was 
uh, unquestionably Nakamura's best match. Like it was heading towards that direction on the main roster. Uh, Styles looked like he he was feeling it. Like they were they. This was violent. This was physical. This was strong style. This was all that. And then it's just a no contest. And I feel like they're zapping everything out of the feud, pretty much how they did the Brock Lesnar Roman Reigns feud. They're zapping it and just rolling it over, rolling it over until people just aren't going to care about it. And it's very unfortunate. Like, it was so unfortunate because this is the third matchup, as I mentioned, and they are completely missing the ball with this feud. I don't understand who's booking this, whose idea it was. Um, Got a couple tweets on that one. So, first, it wasn't the main event. Um, Someone's like, why does WWE insist on trying to convince us that the Universal title is more important than the WWE title? Even when Brock's not here, the WWE title doesn't uh, main event. Someone said, WWE just low-blowed the WWE championship. Brian Alvarez says, this is my, uh, this is currently my most hated booking of a feud of maybe all time. Uh, someone said, I legitimately have no idea what the World Wrestling Federation is right now. Adam uh, Piketty, he was like, how have they managed to fuck up a AJ versus Nakamura feud this much? It's just coming to him all over the internet. And <laughs> I don't, I don't understand, like. I don't I don't know how you're supposed to like this. These guys could have already had these classics and WWE just has to put their booking on it. I've never seen booking get in the way of a feud this much. This is worse than Kevin Owens and um Nakam or AJ Styles from last year. I don't know where it goes from here. I'm I'm assuming they they have like a last man standing match or they do something like they're going to have to like raise the stakes, hell in a cell, but all they're doing is just like kicking the can down the road when they could have already been producing this excellence. But I don't know, man, from this point, like the show, like the air was coming out of the building, people were leaving after this. And it was just like, this is a bad show The ch- the chatter on Twitter was getting very loud. Um, after that, Braun Strowman and Bobby Lashley started fighting against uh, Kevin Owens, and Sami Zayn, nothing match went about eight minutes. Uh, at, some some weird reason uh Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens just started slapping each other and turning on each other in the match and you know sacrificing each other to get whooped on by these two big behemoths people still don't care about Bobby Lashley hold on he said they need something for SummerSlam they needed some for WrestleMania and what did they do <laughs> like like I'm not buying this shit like hey they they needed to to get uh, AJ Styles and Nakamura to SummerSlam no they they had already got it at WrestleMania like that was the match you know and if like in that case like why didn't we see Asuka and Charlotte continue you would think they would have had a reason to continue um Styles and Nakamura the the beef isn't with them just rolling this shit over the beef is them booking this shit to basically put a lid on it like just stretching it out it's like yo man like we know this shit could have been great y'all could have been having great matches and stretching it out um how you need to uh they they could have swapped the title at this point i don't know if they just don't want to make nakamura the champion but they don't want to beat him either and they're doing all this fluky weird shit with him it's like come on man like y'all are Y'all are playing with, like, everything that has to do with AJ Styles. This is a very weird title reign, and he's held the title now um, longer than anyone since Seth Rollins in 2015. So, (laughs) um, 
we had a couple more things. Duncan said he's said he's never seen it, but he heard one of the best matches in New Japan uh, was Styles and Nakamura. Yes, best believe it was. And that is almost making us sound like crazy people the way they're booking this in WWE. There's like no way that these two had this match as good as y'all say it was because of the way they're booking this. And it's just so sloppy, so almost like so deflating. It makes you just want to turn away. Um, and, you know, they're trying to make Seth take uh, or Seth's trying to take AJ Spies the best in the ring. And I, I feel like Seth Rollins is is like completely outclassing Styles at every turn in 2018 so far. Mind you, Styles has had a lot of weird shit thrown his way. And, you know, Rollins has had better opponents, um, you know, overall. Uh, he's had better situations. Uh, now, you, ha- when I say that, it's like, yeah, he, he fought Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, but it was a handicap match. He fought six guys in a... Um, six packs challenge match which you can't really you know judge and then what they've done with him and nakamura has just been like yo who's who's allowing this um so from there um duncan says how come we haven't heard bobby lashley do one promo yet i'm going to assume promos aren't his strong suit but I don't know. Like I said, I didn't watch Bobby Lashley and Impact Wrestling, but it would be nice to get to know what this guy's about, you know, why we should care, or the fact that, you know, he's just jacked, we should just roll with. Uh, But yeah, Strowman and Lashley whooped on these dudes uh, like they stole something, and, you know... (laughs) They're putting Braun Strowman in these death spot tags he met, nothing matches, and it's like... Bro, he was the hottest guy going into WrestleMania, and it's like, what are y'all doing? And it was nothing compared to this main event. Um, so James says, Styles Nakamura at Wrestle Kingdom 10 was better than Styles Cena at Royal Rumble 17. I would agree. They got the same rating from Meltzer, but I would agree with that sentiment, James. Uh, just more mind-blowing and... I think the finish like made everyone a lot a lot happier uh, as well. Uh, Duncan said he w- he was a good heel in Impact with uh, and then Miguel says he said that he had unfinished business. So um, um, yeah, man, Roman Reigns and Samoa Joe got put on last because they did that fuck finish with the WWE title. Even if they didn't do that fuck finish with the WWE title, I feel like they would have put them on last. Why? Because they want to beat it over your head that Roman Reigns is above the WWE Championship at this point. Or Monday Night Raw is above um, SmackDown and the WWE title. And this feud was hot going into it. Um, So was Nakamura and Styles. And they had Samoa Joe jump Roman Reigns, give him a fucking Uranagi through the table before the match whoop his ass essentially for 12 minutes straight before Roman Reigns doesn't move. And then at that point, they're just laying on the ground, like in, in the match, like uh, in a, in a rest hold, rest hold for at least three of those minutes. Fans were chanting. This is boring. They were chanting CM Punk. They were pretty much hijacking it on a couple levels below the WrestleMania match with Roman Reigns. If this is what's what success sounds like, uh, if someone's trying to justify, you know, this with Roman Reigns being in these main events, I don't know what the fuck you're watching. You're lying. And you're also just ignoring what the fuck is happening on the screen. And in these matches, the crowds are coming to, to fuck this dude 
every single time. WWE is, I don't know if they're sabotaging him or what, because he didn't quote unquote work out as a dude. So they're trying to do this stuff, but they're so, they're so fucking confused that they make him win the match anyway. Um, Samoa Joe and him tried to work hard, but people just weren't feeling it. When it comes to these main events, they're just not feeling Roman Reigns. And apparently, like, WWE doesn't care about that. Like, <laughs> I've never seen such an egregious display of them trying to bang a round peg into a square hole like this Roman Reigns shit. Fans were walking out of the building. Fans were emptying sections completely. They were <laughs> pushing the shit on commentary, like completely ignoring everything being chanted. And it was just like, this feels like such a disconnect from everything we're seeing. And it just made us feel like this is stupid. This is so stupid because Reigns, with these Reigns matches now, if you're one of those folks of my boy Josh, what up Josh, he doesn't think Roman Reigns is a good wrestler. And the way they're laying out these matches would give uh, a lot of credence to that statement. Now, I don't agree with that because I've enjoyed way more Roman Reigns matches than I've disliked them. But he's on a really bad streak right now. Whoever's laying out his matches, like, it seems like the, the problem with Roman Reigns is the same problem it's always been. They think too hard about it. They, they try to be too cute. And what they end up doing is just fucking not only themselves but the fans as well like i don't think the fans like you know correct me if i'm wrong like shoot me a, tw a tweet or something but most fans don't come to like destroy the matches you know if you put something out there that they want to see they'll roll with it obviously they don't want to see it so whose problem is that where the folks that pay for this shit so like it's like wwe doesn't just get to dictate what is going to work like they can influence it they can you know try to make some shit slide by us but what they're trying to do is getting a get in a dick measuring contest with their own fan base it's like yeah we're gonna keep doing this until you like it and it's like no motherfucker we don't have to like it so what will we do we will chant johnny wrestling at roman reigns again um you know in his main events we will just keep rolling with it until you have to go to fucking wakanda to get this dude accepted it's not working turn this dude make him go away Give him a kayfabe injury and, and take his ass out. Do something because all they're doing is ruining themselves and Roman Reigns at this rate. It's it's really bad. And this show was atrocious after the after the first match. There's like nothing I'd recommend unless you really want to see Daniel Bryan like first one um, on one match uh, back on pay-per-view. Everything else on this show. You can skip. Maybe you want to see how what what styles and Nakamura were building to. Maybe you want to see how the chair ricocheted off Nakamura's uh, knee to hit AJ Styles to bust him op open. But this show was grade A trash, and these folks these folks should be ashamed of themselves for booking this show, for producing this show, because this is the second worst show of the decade, I would say, behind Battleground uh, last year with the Punjabi Prison match. This was awful for for all these you know great wrestlers that are on this show to be pigeonholed by booking, to be fucked by match layouts, to be 
booked in these short ass matches that are that have just stupid finishes. The way that Carmella and Charlotte match ended was absolutely disastrous. Jeff Hardy and Randy Orton are out here just mailing it in. Alexa Bliss and Nia Jax, their whole shit is a, a commercial for the Be A Star campaign. Seth Rollins and The Miz like, are going to be able to look back at this show like, damn, if we didn't wrestle that 20-minute classic in the, in the opener, this whole show should get shoved up someone's ass. And <laughs> I don't know about y'all, but it, like, I, and I made this, this joke after Battleground. It was like, it would be better if they gave us nothing. Like that old Eminem shit. Like, and, you know... Tower Records told me to go fuck, fuck myself. Violet Brown, you know, all that shit. So, and it was like, no, bro. They gave Daniel Bryan seven minutes. And that the the thing with Daniel Bryan, Daniel Bryan's the same guy he always was. Same great wrestler. This was big cast they gave seven minutes, not Daniel Bryan. <laughs> they gave him seven minutes. Um, Duncan says he can't wait for Sanity and Undisputed to, to come up, but Vince will probably mess that up. And is it? You or was CM Punk right in the pipe bomb promo? So that the pipe bomb promo is funny. You, you bring that up because I actually saw someone um, say some something about that recently, and it's like CM Punk's pipe bomb promo are the is those are those echoing words that you hear whenever something goes wrong. You just hear them, and you will hear them forever. And he, the reason that he's chanted for in these matches are a form of protest, like. Whenever something's not going wrong, because who was CM Punk for all these years? He was the voice of the voiceless. And, you know, what they're doing in this, you know, measuring contest with their fans, it's like they're trying to strip the voice of the fans away. So I think that's how they keep CM Punk alive in spirit. That's how they tell, you know, them, you know, we ain't just going to take it shit. Like, like how's that old rock song go? We're not going to take it. And that's exactly what it is. Um what a disappointing show. Um, they they beefed this shit up like it was this big deal. It's co-branded and all that. Meanwhile, this was the fourth co-branded show of the year. They totally airballed tonight. Totally airballed. Um, Sasha Banks, sideline. Uh, Elias, sideline. The Usos, sideline. Uh, you know, <laughs> Andrade San Almas, sideline. All these folks just, just left on the sideline. But even inserting those folks... I don't know if they would have been able to to out wrestle the booking. And that's the sad part because they had more than enough on this show. Um, if, if you just rearrange, these are the wrestlers you're going to use, arrange them different, book a couple things different, let Nakamura go out and Styles go on last with a crazy match. You put Reigns and Joe on maybe third, uh, Finn, yes, yeah, sidelined. Uh, maybe you put it on third or fourth and you let those dudes like have a strong style, hard hitting match. So you don't put Roman Reigns in that position to get booed out of the building again because people fucking hate the guy and they hate the fact that he's in the main event over the WWE championship when they see him. They're, they're just going to turn red with rage. Like, don't do that to that guy. Then, you know, Daniel Bryan and Big Cass, like, you know, I, I get it. You know, you don't, they don't trust Big Cass. We shouldn't trust Big Cass either. If anybody ever compares him to Tess, that is an insult. Tess was so much better. Um, but yeah, man, there was just so much wrong with this show. And I, th I really think they should consider like erasing this show from the WWE network and making sure nobody sees anything past the Seth Rollins and Miz match. Like it's one for the ages, uh, reversed. So 
but yeah man um that's pretty much gonna wrap up the review for wwe backlash thank you guys for listening um if you would like to hit us with a rating and all that we would definitely appreciate it remember we are an independent podcast network and our budget comes from word of mouth the only way we're going to reach more people is with your help by sharing the show and rating it uh, make sure you guys check out the wrestling wash outsiders edge ricky and clive wrestling podcast and also keeping it strong style hit us all with those five star ratings because they mean a lot um this was a absolute dog shit um, show and I'm going to be on Chad Matthews show with Dave Fenichel, Uh and I, I feel like we're all going to be burying uh, that show and that will be out on Wednesday on Lords of Pain Radio but um, thank you guys for listening this is Rich and I'll see y'all later this week peace thank you for listening to One Nation Radio we'll see you next time